Blog Talk Radio. Here we go again in week whatever freaking week we are in, still kind of in quarantine, June 13th, 2020. But we do see light at the end of the tunnel as sports begin to come back. Uh, NBA, soccer, and golf are back. Uh, at least we, we have some affirmative information about uh, about the return. And certainly, we still got to talk about the MLB. Uh, we got to talk about the MLB being out on the field by the 4th of July. Uh, so we'll be talking about that with Mo from the BS Sports Show. Also, uh, we'll be talking some IndyCar with Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor from WSPT up in South Bend. And he's also going to fill in with uh, us uh, for some and NASCAR uh, as well as we uh, uh, are back with uh, IndyCar this week. Uh, obviously, Scott Dixon took it with a with a with a with a quite an ease. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll see what, what we talk about with that race and about upcoming races uh, right here on the Balance Radio Network. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight five one six is our digits. We'll be right back with Mo from the BS Sports Show. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. 
bum 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 Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got it's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Welcome back to the balance. Quick things off uh, on this uh, Saturday morning uh, in uh, mid June. Uh, Mo for the BS Sports Show. How are you, sir? Hello, Mo. Can you hear us? Are you on mute? <coughs> okay, Mo. Mo from the BS Sports Show. We are calling out to you. Can you hear us? Hello, Mo. Well, it says that he's there, there. So we'll we'll uh, try to uh, connect with him. And Mo, can you hear us? Hello, Mo. All right, we'll try to continue to connect with Mo here uh, from the BS Sports Show. <clears throat> well, I'll tell you what, we had everything lined up today to talk a little bit about the return of sports, and we'll kind of just go through this calendar here while we're, while we're waiting to uh, reconnect with Mo uh, so we still have yet to figure out what's going on with MLB. They can't seem to get their act together. They, they players want to play a certain amount of games. Owners want to play a certain amount of games. Owners want to uh, reduce uh, salaries. Um, we just can't figure it out. We're still trying to connect with Mo from the Be a Sports Show, uh, but so we don't know. We we just don't know. Uh, virtually the entire sports world came to a halt in mid March as the COVID nineteen pandemic grew to the scale around the globe. Uh, the NBA was one of the one of the first major North American sports uh, to suspend its season and was quickly uh, followed by the NHL and Major League Baseball later suspended spring training and, and, and postponed an opening day indefinitely. You know, here's the thing. There's something about the 4th of July 
and uh, baseball. We've got to we've got to get to that point. And if we don't have baseball on the on the Fourth of July, uh, I mean, I, that's just going to be that's just going to be a gut punch to to all sports fans everywhere. And then you know, to, we just have kind of been without sports. It's been like, man. This was only going to supposed to be only a temporary thing, but you know, I knew when all of this was was coming uh, uh, coming down that this would be more than just a you know a one week uh, type thing. And then the NFL and college football remain in their off seasons. In the meantime, the NFL conducted its annual draft late in April. We're still unclear about uh, college football and what their plans are. Uh, certainly, that would be a, a big uh, signal as well if you know course if they're not coming back to school or their or the campuses aren't opening up then we then the then the likelihood of us seeing college uh football is probably uh not going to happen uh but uh <clears throat> but but certainly the the off-season program has continued to move on in both the nfl and college football in the in the virtual realm if if you will and uh, will not let uh, teams return to its facilities until all the teams are eligible to do so, just to keep everything on a, on a level playing field. Sport, but uh, sports are slowly returning, uh, you know, uh, to in some countries more than others, and it will take some time for many leagues to get back on track. Um, so we'll we'll talk about that, and we are still trying to connect with Mo from the BS Sports Show. He must be having some technical ends, uh, some technical problems on his end. Uh, also, we'll be, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, I uh, woke up this morning and feeling like, oh, man, feeling kind of rough, rough. No, I don't have the COVID. No, I don't have the the, the corona. Maybe I drank corona. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh so yeah, we, we're just sitting here waiting uh, patiently to to get back to sports. And I, I tell you what, and it just seems odd now that the NBA has decided that they're going to come back and they're going to play a limited amount of, of games at Disney World, and uh, players are allowed to bring their families, but they are they have to basically be quarantined within the hotel. Now, who's going to want to bring their kids, their wife and kids, to Disney World and not be able to get out of the hotel? Uh, the, the whole thing just seems kind of bizarre. It looks like they could uh, uh, do things a little bit differently. Uh, but like we said, we're, we're seeing um, uh, football come come in back in Australia, for example, uh, is targeting the return of June the 11th. The Chinese Basketball Association is suspended at least till July. <clears throat> but like I said, there's no word yet on a potential day of start of the college football as far as the full season. Uh, conferences have meetings planned, uh, have had had meetings, I'm sorry, in late May and have some planned here in June, uh, which could uh, put, give us a better handle on the situation. Uh, I know in mid-April, the the uh, co- conference commissioners told uh, Vice President Mike Pence that there would be no college football until campuses open back up. And right now, we don't 
we don't we don't have that and we don't see that. I think we do have Mo now. Uh, Mo, can you hear us now? Yeah, sorry. I think my phone was taking a big St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> you had to go there. You had to just make that <laughs> extra dab. <laughs> sorry, buddy. Sorry. Oh no, it's completely fine. Totally understand. Uh, totally understand. I was free balling it, so it's uh, it's all good. It's all good. But really, just kind of having the conversation about uh, the return of of sports and and what we all have to do and what's what's going to be going on. So let's kind of talk a little bit about what I think is the biggest unanswered question at least in my mind, and, 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 you know, speaking of the Cardinals or just uh, baseball in general, what is it about the MLB that's, that's making it so hard to figure out? Well, it's the disagreement between millionaires and billionaires on how much the, the millionaires are going to get paid. Uh, you know, luckily the NHL, the NBA were able to come to an agreement pretty quickly. Uh, but baseball is not figuring out. And, of course, the that has the biggest salaries, uh, you know, uh, they're not figuring out. It's not the guys who are making $400 a week in the minor leagues or the guys who are making league minimums who are complaining. It's the guys who are making all the money uh, who want to make sure they get it all. And with the new proposal that MLB has on there for the 84 games or whatever it is, uh, they said that expires Sunday and uh, that they're, you know, there could be a chance of it canceling the season. So uh, it's having issues, but, uh, you know, an issue with the NBA, which is supposed to return on the 30th of July, could be on the horizon after last night. Yeah, I saw that, and we'll get to that here in just a second. You know, you you talk about the MLB saying they've got an 84-game proposal on the table that the players have yet to to accept – now we put it back on the players because the players said all along they wanted at least a minimum of an 82-game uh, season. So what's the holdup? The, how much of the money that they're that they're going to get? Uh, you know, they're, the owners are still asking for a bigger pay cut than the players want to take, and that's where I, I think the issue is right now. Um, you know, it, it would be and, – and, and even if, if they say they agreed to it today, you know, they're still talking about having spring training before we see real games. And that to me is absurd because if you, if in the last three months, if you couldn't get your craft together, I mean, let's, let's be honest, baseball has some strategy, but nothing like learning a football playbook or, you know, a basketball play. Like if you couldn't get your craft together in the last three months, back to where I have to come back with spring training first, it sucks. Uh, but uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's, I think, I think at this point, honestly, Tom, because of insurance that, uh, that like concert promoters have and, and sports owners have, I think there's a part of MLB owners that don't want to have a season because they're going to come back with no fans at first and there's going to be no money there. So I think part of uh, MLB owners want to not have a season and cash in on that insurance policy. That's a, that's a valid uh, uh, thought pattern to, to, to think about that. I mean, and I think we would see that across the board in, in, in other formats as well, but we mentioned that the NBA uh, looks like it's got its uh, stuff worked out, and, and they will. The, uh, the board of governors did approve a, a 22 uh, a playoff team format, if you will, which will take place in Disney World. Um, it, it, it's. I was just saying, it's kind of bizarre that they they say, well, you can bring your your family and kids and stay in the hotel. Yes, yeah, it's going to be a nice hotel, but they basically quarantine uh, to the hotel. Now, who's going to want to bring their, their family and kids to Disney World and, and make them stay in a hotel? And I, I'm just wondering, what is the concept of, of having it at Disney World? Why are, we, why are we doing that 
I could see it, you know, a couple of months ago, but why are we doing it now? Uh, it, it's a, a because the players in the NBA get a portion of the profits. There's a profit sharing with the NBA. So by having these games, uh, you know, around the country, um, uh, you know, in these arenas with no fans and, and things like that, there's a lot more expense. So by centralizing it in one place, A, you can kind of monitor where the players are, what they're doing, where they're going, who they're around. And B, you're going to save a lot of money, so there's more profit there for the players to be shared with them at the end of the season because expenses, excuse me, are a lot less when you're doing it at all one place. And Disney has that uh, wild world sports complex where they can have multiple mm-hmm. games at one time. That's where they have uh, a lot of the rookie league stuff that goes on uh, in the summer between there and Las Vegas. Uh, so that's, that's the reason the reason Las Vegas lost out uh, was because of the opening of the casinos back up. So there was going to be like more of a chance to, to have people around the players. So, that's what what's going on with that. There, I think it's a, a money thing at the end, and they're able to kind of easily monitor. Everybody's in the same place or on the same people. I, I think so. It's you know, it, it's kind of just uh, uh, for a safety reason, but more at the end of the day because the players share in the profits of the uh, of the NBA. So how how are we going about the the testing? I mean, certainly they're, they're going to have to keep a a monitor on. Uh, you know uh, the the testing and screening of of, of the uh, of the coronavirus. Well, players will be tested uh, every day before practice, after practice, before games, after games. Anybody let into the arena, uh, family or what have you, uh, working with the NBA referees will be uh, be um, tested before and after games. Uh, so, I mean, the NBA, the plans they have in place, honestly. T- I've seen any of the sports leagues so far, so I think the NBA's got it right. Now they've got to just hope that the uh, that the players are all going to be there. And so there's there's the the other problem because you still have a handful of players that say, "Yeah, this isn't for me. I'm not going to show up." Uh, so this could be a good opportunity for players that didn't get a lot of playing time before uh, to to see some playing time. But at least we're starting to see um, the. Uh, the, the the coming back of sports uh, slowly, uh, but but surely. And we look at the NFL. The NFL is still uh, saying that uh, that they're going to be opening up uh, facilities and allowing coaches uh, back uh, for all but the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the league is optimistic about having a full training camp, and but has negotiations to, to to conduct with the players. So what do we know about with the NFL? Well, I mean, you know, the NFL it seems on track to, uh, you know, to to get ready for uh, the upcoming season. Things seem like they're on their way. Um, you know, I, I think there's going to be some players who are going to want things from the NFL regarding kneeling for the uh, anthem. There are going to be some players who want uh, some systematic changes for what they perceive uh, has happened in the past. Uh, I think there are going to be some players, honestly, uh, who aren't going to play unless Colin Kaepernick's on the team. So there are going to be some things for them to deal with leading into training camp, coronavirus-wise. Um, I think they're trying to figure out uh, uh, attendance, what, that, what that's going to look like come the NFL season. But uh, I think there's going to be more issues, uh, you know, racially that the NFL is going to have to deal with before we see uh, the NFL back in, in full swing. Yeah, we talked about that last week in, in great detail. 
You know, I, I heard this talked about this week on some of the national media. The column, column is going to use this as an opportunity to capitalize off of what has happened. And everything that he's, he said that he stands for and what he's for and against, to use this opportunity as an opportunity to capitalize for himself, uh, I think – uh, puts a, a very negative shadow on him. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of talk about Colin Kaepernick these past couple weeks, and trust me, here's a guy that uh, I, I think, um, you know, I didn't have a problem him kneeling during the national anthem. I know a bunch of folks did. I, I just think that when you when you, I think the message, like we talked about last week, the message got lost because people got angry because he was kneeling during the national anthem. I think once that people figured out what was going on, uh, you know, while he was kneeling that, uh, that, you know, he could have taken it a different way, but that was his choice. Um, a lot of the talk about Kaepernick hasn't been by Colin Kaepernick. It's been by other people. Um, you know, I think there's some anger there from Colin Kaepernick still, obviously he feels like he was blackballed from the league after this, you know, and there's a point that can be made because they were terrible backup quarterbacks on other teams where that he was probably better than, but, there was also a lot of talk that he wasn't willing to be anything but a starter. And I think he has to realize at this point, it's the Allen Iverson thing. You know, do you want to be Vince Carter and be a backup and play in the league some more? Or do you want to be Allen Iverson who refused to be a backup and his career ended prematurely? So uh, it's all about, I think uh, at this point, what it's going to, uh, what, what he wants to do. There are some teams that have already inquired about him, uh, about him being a backup. But again, you know, what's, what's he willing to be, have his role as, you know, believe it or not, Colin Kaepernick's in his league, time outside of the league has, has made a ton of money. He's made a bunch of money. So, and to his credit, he's backed up what he said. He's also donated a bunch of money, but I think to try to cause some type of uh, racial divide or to, to offer this in a, in a different way other than playing in the NFL would look, uh, at him negatively. So I think people are ready at this point to uh, maybe listen to him a little more, but he's got to do it in the right way. It, it's it's got to be done in the right way at this point. And I don't know that, that necessarily will happen. Yeah, we'll certainly monitor that and we'll see, we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, uh, we, uh, as we look at the NFL, just, just coming back, it looks like there's a lot of teams that are very positive about everything. Uh, one of the, uh, I guess you could say positive or one of one of the more back to realities of, of things we, we heard this week that, that, um, uh, <laughs> I told you my brain is fried. Uh, our new quarterback, uh, from the chargers, um, Philip Rivers. Yes. God, see, my brain is just gone, brother. I mean, it is totally. Whew. But Philip Rivers has has moved into the the north side of Indianapolis into a home. He's got his kids here. I think he's got ninety kids, is what I heard. His wife's here, and uh, he's he's meeting with the team, and he's starting to have virtual calls with the team. So, I, I think that uh, the reality of, of Philip Rivers coming back is. Uh, coming to Indianapolis has become a reality, and and I think that I think fans will learn to really like him. I think he'll come in here to the to Indianapolis, and he'll just he'll just he'll he'll be he'll be just fine. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, the guy's definitely got an attitude. Uh, you know, if you're winning, he's a fiery guy, uh, which the Colts haven't seen in a while. You know, you know, Peyton Manning was a 
uh, compared to like no other. But, you know, fans didn't really see Peyton's fiery side because a lot of that happened in practice. Uh, Andrew Luck was a very passive type guy. So it'll be a different type of thing to see with uh, with Philip Rivers. You know, I, I know he felt disrespected last year when people said that uh, his abilities were going away. Uh, I know he's been thrown with Paris Campbell a little bit already. Uh, so, I, you know, I think fans feel because of the sign of Philip Rivers at his age, uh, for the amount of money he got just on the one-year contract, they really believe that the Colts feel like they're in a win-now type of, uh, uh, you know, type of thing. And that's exciting for a fan base, you know, when you, your team is kind of pushing their chips towards the middle and saying, hey, look, we feel like we, we can win right now. That's uh, that's exciting. But, you know, you got to remember, Tennessee's gotten pretty good, you know. Uh, the Texans uh, are, are still pretty good. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be a tough division uh, for the uh, for the Colts and the schedule is not going to be easy this year either. You know they've got a pretty tough schedule as well, and you've got a backup quarterback who you're paying a bunch of money to who uh, is a little ticked off at this point. So uh, you know there are some things that could go wrong, but uh, you know as you sit here uh, in June as, as a Colts fan, that you know you're you're pretty excited with uh, where things are going. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it, he'll be. You know, one of the things that I I was I, I've obviously heard Philip Rivers in interviews before, but never really kind of on the one-on-one, more intimate type basis than what they've done here recently in local media in, in Indianapolis. And I tell you what, he he loves the sport of football. He loves uh, to be competitive. He loves to be out there on the field. And and he, lo- you know, one of the things that nothing that gets uh, every quarterback has their style. But Andrew Luck when you, you know, when you uh, when they would interview him, he he was his focus wasn't always on football; it was on other things. Uh, you know, uh, but with with Philip Rivers, and if you want to compare, not that there is an actual comparison to Peyton Manning and Philip Rivers, but the the way that that he talked about the game and broke down the game and and get and you know said, hey, you know, this is a team thing, was a lot like interviews that you would hear from Peyton Manning. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's no doubt Flipper is a smart guy. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. Wouldn't you be all about football if you had nine young kids at home? Gee, many Christmas. That's got to be a, a disaster <laughs> to be away from you at home. So his wife has got to be a saint to, to be home with nine kids while he was – especially when he was uh, – when he was living in San Diego and commuting to uh, LA for the last couple of years. But, you know, I, I, he's, he's an exciting guy. And you listen to some of the interviews that uh, Phil B. Wilson did with him uh, for SI, it, it's, uh, it, it, he gets you fired up. He makes you ready to see football. He's got that little Southern drawl. He's a fiery dude. And he makes you excited for, for what could be this year. You know, if Paris Campbell can stay healthy, we, we haven't got to see the type of weapon Paris Campbell is yet that he was at Ohio State because of all the injuries last year. And, and what the Colts have done to add to the offense uh, and the defense as well, you know, it, it's, it's exciting. And he gets you fired up to do it, you know, and he's reunited with a bunch of his former coaches from, uh, from the Chargers. I mean, you know, he's coming in already knowing the system. It's not like a quarterback who's got to learn the system. He's just got to learn the players and his timing with his receivers. But, uh, you know, he's going to have a better line than he's had in a while. Uh, it, it could be a very, very fun year for the Indianapolis Colts. And, uh, you know, like you said early on uh, when the Colts signed him, this is probably not going to be his only year in Indianapolis, especially if the Colts are winning. Yeah, absolutely. Winning changes everything. Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us. And, Mo, I, th- I appreciate you talking with us as we talk about uh, uh, bringing back uh, uh, sports. Uh, any final words of wisdom for us, sir? Yeah, I really hope that some of the NBA players who are out for the year – who are trying to lead this charge of not playing, keep their mouth shut and let the guys who want to go back and play, play. 
Yeah, absolutely. I am, I am so ready to get baseball back, basketball back. Uh, but uh, we've got racing back, so we're going to get ready to, to, to talk about that. Mo from the BS Sports Show, where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Uh, as always, you can find all the crap that I spew at Mo Radio Show on Twitter. <laughs> all right, buddy. Have yourself a good weekend. You too, Tom. Mo for the BS Sports Show, uh, talking with us a little bit about the return of the NBA uh, basketball. Certainly, we, we talked about uh, NBA soccer and golf are all on their way back. But one thing for sure, IndyCar is back. Uh, and uh, certainly Scott Dixon had no problem uh, in winning in Texas this past week where they're going to be talking with Matthew Embry, WSBT, about IndyCar and NASCAR just right around the corner right here on the Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. All right, 
right, welcome back to the Balance Fix Mo for the BS Sports Show, talking with us about uh, the return of uh, sports across the, the board. Uh, joining us now, Matthew Embry, WSVT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor. Matthew, how are you, sir? Eager. <laughs> I think that's an easy way to put it, John. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here. I mean, you oh. talked about soccer, especially next month with uh, MLS's MLS's back tournament from July 8th, kind of a World mm-hmm. Cup-style tournament. And uh, be very curious to see uh, if anyone's gained any ground on the big two, those obviously being uh, the Seattle Sounders and Toronto FC. Let's talk a little bit. I know up there in, in your country there, we talk a lot of uh, – typically we talk a lot of college football with Notre Dame with you and Rick Riggin. What do we know about uh, Notre Dame, uh, college football in general, as far as uh, getting back at, to work and getting back on the field? Well, the good news is Houston's not on Notre Dame's schedule as far as I can tell. So for now – what happened with Houston with the six players, you know, testing positive for COVID is not mm-hmm. going to affect anything involving Notre Dame. So that's the good news for now. Uh, obviously, uh, it'll be very curious to see how that affects the American Athletic Conference uh, since they're a member, excuse me, and how that affects their schedule, you know, for this upcoming fall because it looks like uh, Houston at least is planning on suspending their season uh, until further notice at this point. Well, and that's the thing. I think teams have got to monitor uh, all of their players, and I, I would think that they have that uh, process in place uh, to to monitor uh, the 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 players in place. Is the camp the campuses aren't open yet? Is that correct? I believe not that I that they are being housed at the Morrison, or they'll be housed at the Morrison that's near campus and that's where they're going to be quarantining players uh, in the run up to, I think the opening of school semester. And then obviously the start of the season and that obviously being in Annapolis against Navy, I think someday either Saturday or Sunday on Labor Day weekend. Well, we'll certainly be monitoring that and, and see what happens. One one sport that is back, IndyCar's back on the track. They were back on the track last week in, in Texas. And Scott Dixon, uh, just, man, uh, you, you don't want to call him the Iceman because he was the hot man on the track on uh, last week uh, uh, last weekend. Uh, so uh, let's, let's break down the race that happened in Texas as IndyCar came back to life. Well, I would say the big winners – uh, obviously it has to be Chip Ganassi because if not for that late uh, issue with Marco Andretti's over-aggressive move that caught out Felix Rosenquist and ended his day, Ganassi should have finished 1-2. Uh, I think you could make a case. In fact, I think you could make a case that Felix Rosenquist had something possibly a challenge Scott Dixon at the end of the race. And it's unfortunate uh, the Swede's uh, chances got taken away from him. And I got to say, as much as popular as Marco Andretti has, that was a very foolish move i mean you are three laps down you're in no challenge for the win why are you trying a three-wide pass around the outside in turn one when you're putting a driver that has a chance to win the race at risk which ultimately i think had a lot to do with felix rosenquist going out of the groove and crashing just a few moments later 
You know, one of the, the things that we saw in Texas, uh, which is Texas is very well known for its heat and hot summers, and this past weekend was a very hot one in Texas, and I, I think that there was some uh, concerns about that, but they were able to pull through that. But it was certainly a very, very hot race. I, and, and what what do we think about the, the aero screen? I, I mean, I would think the heat provided a valuable uh, first test for the aero screen. And, you know, more you look at that, it looks kind of – it looks uh, Formula One-ish, if you will. But they're still open. I mean, they they still climb up through the top. And so so what are your thoughts about the the uh, new aero screen and, and how it – it, how it uh, uh, was handled there inside of the uh, uh, track on on su- Saturday. Well, obviously the extra weight on the cars that made them a lot more cumbersome. You could see guys are having trouble keeping the car flat, especially in one and two. Uh, I think Texas made a mistake throwing down that extra whatever they did to try to improve the racing for the NASCAR event a couple weeks ago because the car Indy cars just did not like it. I mean that's what ultimately prevented uh, Kuba Sato from being able to compete and uh, with his crash and qualifying, they couldn't prepare the car in time. And uh, that unfortunately made it impossible for them to go side by side. Uh, it just, there was just no grip on that uh, treatment they put on the second groove. And unfortunately uh, that uh, really made it difficult to overtake and, I don't know if that had anything ultimately to do. I mean, Dixon had the best car, yes, but uh, unfortunately that, and I think the extra weight of the cars made it very difficult for them to overtake. Now, it's granted it's going to be something the teams and the cats are going to have to get used to with the extra weight on the cars, but uh, for now, uh, passing is going to be difficult. I think uh, it's going to be at a premium, especially when we get to Indianapolis uh, in August. So let's talk a little bit about that race in August. Uh, and one of the things that w- that still remain in the back of my mind is that they're not going to have it with fans. And if they don't have it with fans, they're going to be moving this race back to October because there's no way uh, that they're going to ever have this race uh, without without fans. And they canceled the state fair in Indiana, which is around about the same time, and it's a two-week event with several thousand people. Uh, one could argue in two weeks, uh, there's just as many people that come on race day in two weeks at, to the to the state fair. And the state fair thought that, that and they're a wide open space, uh, even more wide open than, than the, the track. Do you think that we're going to see something here in the coming weeks that says this is not going to happen August 23rd? Well, here it happens August 23rd, it's not going to happen at all. Because, like I said... October 18th, the only available day. October 18th is the same day as an Indianapolis Colts home game. You know the NFL is not going to move that date. So Indianapolis does not want double traffic problems for two major events that ultimately hurt both events and the revenue for those events. And so I don't think October is a possibility anymore. What I think is going to happen is I mean, they keep talking about Roger Petsky and Mark Miles say they're only going to run it with fans. Um, I think that's the foolish thing to say. Uh, you just cannot take that risk. I mean, you could take it for qualifying weekend maybe because, you know, the fans don't draw there and you can spread the fans out. But if you think you can get 300,000 people into a track where there is still 
in the city of Indianapolis, let's, in the city of Speedway, let's not kid ourselves. There are some high COVID areas in those areas right now. Uh, if they are trying to run this for fans, I think that would be a big mistake. And if they cancel it, look at all the sponsor and TV revenue money they risk losing for not just the event itself, but for IndyCar. So I think right now, as much as I'd like to see it open to fans, I just don't think it's plausible. And if they're taking such a tight line stance saying there's going to be only fans and that's the only they're going to run, uh, we're looking very, very much like uh, what happened with the state fair. And unfortunately that probably means a cancellation. I hope that's not the case, but I think IndyCar needs to just face the facts that as much as we want fans back in the stands, that's just not a plausible opportunity but also the October date just doesn't make any sense because from a logistics standpoint, the city of Indianapolis, I don't think can hold two major events on the same day when traffic is absolutely a mess getting out of the speedway. Now add that to trying to get out of the That's going to be an absolute nightmare. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I think that it would be a nightmare that they could, they could figure out. I think that, that just for the sake of having fans at the track, I, I, I'm just hoping that, that they make the, the right decision. And maybe they, they will still allow fans to come August 23rd, and that will, all, that will all be behind us. Let's go back to the Texas race. I kind of felt like, you know, the Texas race, when you watched the race and you looked at the track and, and the different things, that I felt like that the track was kind of in bad shape. And then we just saw a lot of issues where there just wasn't a lot of, a lot of passing and uh, I, I know the lack of passing had nothing to do with horsepower, but uh, between the, the the with the, the compound that the, the NASCAR used, maybe we could say that part of the reason that the track uh, was wasn't in such the best shape was because of, of NASCAR and how they they run. Uh, but uh, cer- so certainly uh, the the tires that that they they were just, they were just haven't been able to do any testing. I guess is the best way to put it. But are we are we seeing something indicative uh, in coming races and in coming tracks where it's lack of passing? And when you don't have a lot of passing, you don't have a lot of action on the track. Uh, you you, you kind of do have that. Uh, what we were talking about at the very end of the race, where, where, where they're they're trying to do a three wide pass, even if they don't have an opportunity to win the race, just for uh, to to give a little excitement to the race. Well, it gave a little excitement to the race, but unfortunately it ruined the race for Felix Rosenquist. That's where I had a problem with that. I mean, that was one of those situations where you have to mind your P's and Q's and you need to realize that there are guys trying to run for the win. If you're not going for the win, then why are you trying to interfere with that situation? So that's where I had a problem with it. As for that uh, depression they laid down on the track, uh, that was – they laid that down after the IndyCar test uh, before we had the shutdown. And unfortunately, I think that caught a lot of teams out that were planning on being able to use multiple lines uh, through one and two and three and four. They couldn't do that. And like I said, that caught a lot of guys out. And there were just guys that just weren't confident enough to put the wheels in that area because, I mean, it was just like running the marbles. I mean, it's something that's made for Goodyear stock car tires, but clearly I think it's not uh, interchangeable with the tire compound that Firestone uses for IndyCar, and it certainly caught a lot of guys out. So, unfortunately, NASCAR's game and gain in that point was also IndyCar's loss in a sense. 
Well, yeah, and that's absolutely true. And, and uh, you know, we, we talk about the one groove racing there at Texas, and a lot of people think that they actually ruined it, the one groove ra- racing out there in Texas. Yeah, it, I mean, Eddie Gossage, uh, I understand him trying to create the drama and stuff like that, but at the same time, you've got to balance the things out. I mean, one thing that might work well for one race may not work so well for the other, and unfortunately uh, – I point the uh, majority of the blame. I don't point it on Goodyear, and I don't point it on NASCAR. I point it on the fact that Eddie Gossage allowed them to make that alteration. So I think uh, you can't blame NASCAR Goodyear for that. I think that's the situation where the finger of blame goes uh, for Eddie Gossage. So, you know, I watched that race, uh, and um, I have to admit I was doing some other things, but it, it seemed like every time I looked at the TV screen, the only car they were showing was Scott Dixon. Was NBC being partisan to Scott Dixon, or was it would it just be because he's the leader? Well, that and they also had limited cameramen at that race because of the COVID concerns. So there was limited as far as where they could go and how many cameramen they had out there. So they were kind of locked on to the leader. And unfortunately, I think that took away from some great race. I mean, before his crash on the last lap, Charlie Kimball had a big day. Ed Carpenter had a big day. And unfortunately, a lot of those uh, big runs were kind of thrown, uh, you know, out of it. But really, that's what we're going to have to deal with because they just can't have, you know, 40 or 50 cameramen at the track anymore because of this uh, situation with the pandemic. I mean, unfortunately, that's something fans are going to have to get used to. But uh, keep in mind, that's what they had in the 80s and 90s. We were happy with it then. So uh, I think it's just a transition we have to get used to with that. But uh, I think it's just manageable. Uh, considering the fact that they're able to get that many people in for what we got, I think we need to be thankful for that. And we need to realize that, you know, they can't do everything now uh, with the current situation. So those, all those cameras, they can, you know, jump over to certain drivers, you know, and see those great runs. Uh, that's not possible right now with the current status. NBC and IndyCar can bring in what they can't bring in at this point. You know, I know it was a Firestone requested it because they didn't really get a, an opportunity to do, to, to do tests or develop any tires in the past few months. Um, but this this uh, 35 laps green tire rule, uh, which is the same for all races, road and street, it really throws a monkey uh, wrench into race strategy. It's penalizing a driver for being able to uh, nurse tires home when not necessarily the fastest uh, so, you know, we talk about an accident that occurred from worn tires that also involved an incident driver. Uh, it, I mean, it just seems like that, that, that Firestone's just going, again, a little bit excessive with what they're asking. Well, the thing is, though, with all the losses suffered, I think this was just a cost-saving maneuver. And I think it's unfortunately, yeah, the first race out of the box. And I think teams are just going to have to, you know, get used to this fact that uh, – you know, the with limited resources, you need to make more with less. And uh, I think that's one way right now with the losses and the money. No one's going to make money this year in any kind of sports right now. So it, everyone is trying to, you know, curb the cost and the cost and the burden and the losses as much as possible. I think that move was made. Uh, I think uh, as we're getting into the season, though, uh, they will be more – cognizant of that and be able to get a tire that will last you know these required distances to where the point where 
that effectiveness and saving costs to the teams down to bring, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight sets of tires to every race uh, is not going to be a mandate. And that will save them a few extra bucks considering everyone is at a big financial loss uh, with what's going on. I mean, so much so, keep in mind, Carlin had to park one of their cars due to lack of funds uh, for Texas this past weekend. So I still haven't understood completely what happened with uh, uh, Hunter Ray uh, and uh, Rossi for getting the double pen- penalties at the stop at the start, and then they had to move to the back of the grid and do a drive-through. I'm still kind of scratching my head as to why that happened. The draw to the back should have been enough. I don't think there should have been an extra penalty added. Uh, there were changes made to the car to allow the car to start. That should have been just like it is in NASCAR, uh, where you drop to the back. That's making a pit stop after the cars roll off before the start. That's always been the rule. If you do that, you go to the back of the field. So I don't understand the extra changes uh, that were made to that decision. And I don't know, is it, was it Dan Davis, who I think is the chief steward right now, or is it someone else? I think it's Dan Davis, but I'm not totally sure about that because I mean he was one and then I think there was a couple vice stewards in Lion Dyke and Pappas does that sound about right yeah it does okay so yeah that decision that I I was confused about that I mean you penalize them enough for drive to the back but I don't think they gained any performance edge by making because I mean all they did was refire the car so I mean, if they were changing tires or something like that or adding fuel after before the start, that I would see, yeah, to give them a competitive advantage. But I didn't see that. So unless they did something else that we didn't see, uh, I would agree with you on that, that I don't know why they got an extra penalty tacked on to being dropped to the back of the field. Matthew Embry, WSPT up in South Bend, our official uh, IndyCar contributor. Matthew, if you were to uh, sit down and begin to do your, your grid, uh, your power grid, uh, what would it look like today? Nixon's got to be at one, and Rosenquist has got to be at two. And uh, I don't know how Penske missed it so bad on their setups. I mean, I don't know if they set the car more for qualifying than the race itself, but it just seemed like they struggled mightily. And I think the thing is, is they overcompensated the car to make it fast and qualifying and they did not make a car that could last the stint. And I think that's why they were having tire problems, because they set up their cars more for qualifying than the race, and then, obviously, you only have two hours between qualifying and race to make the change, and they didn't have the time to make the changes over to get that car ready for, you know, a race stint. And I think that caught everyone out there. So I think I'll be very curious to see when we get to the next event if guys are going to be a little more conservative on setup in terms of, you know, putting a race set up in qualifying mode so that the car will be competitive when we get into those long stints because I think that had more to do with it than Firestone setting that mandate for 35 laps. So uh, speaking of, of that mandate of the 35 laps again, that I was correct in that being on, on in every race, right, going forward. It's going to be – based on a certain number, but I don't think it's going to be necessarily 35 laps. I think it's going to be, like for Indy, it may be, you know, the full fuel stint like 30. I think it's just it varies on the size of the track. Now, being a mile and a half uh, oval, that's why it was 35 at Texas. I think it may be less than that at these bigger 
ovals like Indy, and then obviously the road courses, there'll probably be uh, fewer numbers on the mandate, but it'll be close to the mileage, I would say, that we saw at Texas. Matthew Embry, WSPT up in South Bend. We'll be right back, and we'll get into some uh, IndyCar uh, uh, talk. I mean, not, not IndyCar. We've been talking IndyCar. Uh, some uh, NASCAR talk right here on the Balance Radio Network. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're my eyes. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. All right, and welcome back to The Balance. Uh, thank you to Mo from the BS Sports Show uh, for joining us and talking with us a little bit about the, the return of sports. We've been talking with Matthew Embry of WSPT in South Bend about IndyCar and uh, the return of IndyCar last week in Texas. And we joining us still is Matthew Embry. We're going to jump right into this uh, NASCAR uh, talk. A lot going on in NASCAR this week. They continue today in uh, Miami Homestead for the Hooters 250. It has been going nonstop uh, for NASCAR, so give us a week in review, uh, if you will. We've got a few races that happened uh, this past week uh, at uh, uh, from the truck race all the way around to the, the, the Cups uh, race. Matthew, uh, 
What did we see this week in NASCAR? Well, obviously, Martinsville. Uh, I don't understand the reasoning of running a 500-lap race on a Wednesday night for that event because I think I wasn't going to be able to do the whole thing with that. And uh, so that didn't make a whole lot of sense. I think if they got 300 laps, I think it would have made a lot more sense. It would have been a lot more feasible for everybody. But uh, looking ahead to Homestead, a uh, very interesting race uh, with uh, Hamlin at the front. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I think uh, fans don't like it seeing the Toyotas up there. But uh, I think we're starting to see a change of the guard like I thought we were going to see eventually where those uh, Gibbs Toyotas, obviously Martin Truex winning uh, on Wednesday, uh, are going to start taking over things. And uh, I'll be very curious to see uh, – how a team like uh, Hendrick Motorsports responds to the, the challenge uh, that's going to be faced by those Gibbs Toyotas. We know those cars are going to be super strong, uh, especially when we get to the playoffs. So uh, let's talk a little bit. We talked a little bit about uh, some of this stuff last week, but I kind of thought that it was um, pretty uh, a pretty cool thing that uh, NASCAR did uh, with the with the moment of silence at the start of the race. And uh, certainly Bubba Wallace has uh, been uh, very boisterous this week and, and uh, has, has really uh, found his voice and has been really kind of the, the voice of everything that's going on uh, inside the, the world that we live in. And uh, uh, certainly he has to do this with a delicate balancing act. But I've heard, listened to lots of interviews with him, and I, and if you get a chance to listen to Dale Jr.'s podcast with, with him and and Michael Waltrip and, and Dale Jr. had a very candid conversation about everything, and to really hear Bubba Wallace's story, I thought was a, a really good good thing. And then the, the video that they show, showed, um, so you know NASCAR, uh, you know he is. Uh, you know, affected by a lot of stuff too, as well. But, but what are your thoughts about NASCAR and how they're approaching everything that's going on in the world? And, 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 you know, certainly Bubba Wallace, you know, this past week, he kind of really just became the, the voice in the face of some unfortunate events in our country. Well, the thing is, I just told Bubba Wallace doesn't get, you know, stained like uh, Colin Kaepernick was where, he's viewed more for what he does than what he does on the track. Cause I mean, not only is he a great humanitarian, he's an excellent driver. And I just hope that this uh, situation, he doesn't get, you know, tagged like Colin Kaepernick was. And he's remembered more for what he does off the track than what he does on. And I think that's, that would be the better way uh, for this to go for Bubba is for this, for him to start getting some results in the field. And he gets remembered for what he does on the track, not necessarily what happens off, because then you start going into that area where you start painting him in the same realm as Colin Kaepernick. And I don't think that's a fair uh, thing to treat a guy that is actually a very good thing for the sport. Well, let's kind of go through the different series here and then just kind of reflect on what's happened this week in, the, in, in each particular series and what's going on as we look forward to, to Homestead, Miami. Obviously, the Gander truck uh, takes on Miami uh, with an experienced field. I think the race was last night. Um, yeah, no, it's tonight. I'm sorry. It's tonight. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the Gander uh, truck series as, as we know it today. Well, obviously, I think uh, we had a very uh, despicable 
uh, reaction. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but there was a driver by the name of Ray Cicerelli who uh, I think took a stand uh, about the bands of the Confederate flags, and I think he really made himself look bad. And I hope to God he's pulled this back, but he said that I'm not going to race again until those Confederate flags are brought back in. And, I mean, it's just such a minor pullback on things. I mean, yes, we're talking First Amendment thing, but what that flag stands for, there's no place in our society for it. And for this guy just to take a stand in the reverse direction, say he's not going to race because those flags are not there, I think it was just such a bad taste. And I I hope to God uh, this uh, Cicerelli guy has pulled back on those statements because uh, he really made himself look like a total goon when he did that uh, on Twitter a couple days ago. Well, you know, I, I, I certainly am a First uh, Amendment guy. I'll, I'll, I'm all about First Amendment, and I, and I kind of was just uh, on the disappointing side that NASCAR uh, banned the Confederate flags because – so what a lot of people – a lot of people – I'm a big history buff, and I, I will tell you the Confederate flag ne- doesn't stand for slavery. Never did, never has. Never will. It doesn't stand for slavery. It just a lot of people think that, that, that the Confederacy that one of the reasons that the only reason they were in the Civil War was to protect slavery. That's not necessarily the, the case. It was a major part of it. It was a major part of it, but the Confederate flag is just something in our history. And it's it's something that uh, yeah, it's an unfortunate part of the history of the United States. And and I'm a Civil War buff and I've studied the Civil War quite extensively and it's one of the most tragic terrible times in american histories uh and and certainly one of the byproducts of that was the unthinkable uh actions that we had towards slavery in the south so yes there is that component of it but to say okay well we're going to take the the confederate flags away it's almost like we're just trying to appease everybody and say you know Oh well, we we want to make sure that we, that we do every everything right. We do. We want to make sure that we we appease every group of people out there. And you know, to be honest, the the fan base with the uh, with NASCAR of the people who would care about the Confederate flag is very very minimal. So I I, I think on one part that on one hand I understand why NASCAR took that stand and that they have the right to do that. And and if they make that rule, it should be honored. But on the other hand, uh, on the other hand of it, uh, people should have the right to say, Hey, I don't necessarily agree with that decision. Now, now should he have said, I'm not going to race until that comes back. Well, you know, a lot of times people have new jerk, knee jerk reactions to things and they say things that they, that they shouldn't say and, and shouldn't have never said and, and maybe regret it afterwards. So from the status of that, I don't know. I just think that we, we get so quick, oh, we're just going to take away the Confederate flag. Okay, why? I mean, if it's super slavery all this time, now all of a sudden you have an issue with slavery right now just because we're having some civil unrest. Now you, now you make that decision, and you didn't make this decision all along that, that NASCAR's been going. So I just think that it was clear, clearly a statement that says because we're in civil unrest, we're going we're gonna to take the Confederate flag away. And maybe just a lot of people didn't join that. Sorry, I didn't mean to go on a rant there. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. 
I understand it's a part. I mean, I understand it from both sides. I mean, I understand First Amendment. It's been a long part of the Southeast. And, well, I guess it's – I don't know how to say it, and I don't want to sound callous about this, but I, it just seems like these Southeastern fans start thinking that the sport's getting taken away from them. And uh, maybe this is where these reactions are coming from. I mean, yes, there are more drivers – coming from elsewhere than the southeastern states, but there's still a very good chunk of drivers that are coming from that area. It's just that they're not being, you know, necessarily signed. I don't think that's because of what's going on now or over the last few years. It's just that the talent pool is more spread out across the nation now, and it's not just the southeastern states where these drivers are coming from. Yeah, and you know, and it could have been, it could have just been a publicity stunt because he was never getting any publicity anyway, and maybe it was just a publicity stunt. So, well, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the standings in the Gander Truck. We'll get on over here to the Xfinity Series. Austin Hill, Zane Smith, uh, Grant Affinger, uh, Brett Moffitt, uh, Ben Rhodes, uh, Christian X, Sheldon Creed, Johnny Souter, uh, Derek Cross, and in in Todd Gillad uh, all round out the top 10 with the variations between Toyota, Chevy, and Ford all in the top 10. Well, the big thing in my mind is that Brand Enfinger and Brett Moffitt are not on that list. So those are the two guys that do have cup experience, and obviously Johnny Sauter does too, but uh, it does show that there are some other guys up there Another surprise that's up that is the fact Sheldon Creed's not higher up there because, yes, uh, he obviously made a name for himself in Robbie Gordon's off-road truck series, but he's shown a lot of potential in ARCA as well. So the fact that he's only eighth or ninth, I think you said, on the list uh, is also a little bit of a surprise in my book. And so we get on over to the Xfinity uh, races. Obviously, we've got the um... – the Hooters 250 today down at Homestead Miami Speedway. Uh, and obviously that's a fun track to race at. NASCAR loves to race down there. IndyCar loves to race down there. Talk with us a little bit about Homestead and the Hooters 250. Well, obviously Homestead uh, it was an IndyCar race. It's no longer on the IndyCar schedule. I think the high banks and the high speed, I think have something to do with that. But, uh, yeah, it's a track that has multiple grooves on it. You can run high, you can run low, middle of the track. And uh, I think we'll see some very, a lot of action on the restarts of the race. And they'll be very curious to see how things uh, settle down. Because usually once things get, you know, 10 or 15 laps in, then I think it becomes a single-file race where guys just rim right around the outside because that's the way you keep your momentum up. But uh, ultimately, it's going to be a very interesting race. But I think uh, car management, and t- or t- in this case, truck management, and tire management, I think, is going to say a lot as to who uh, walks into the winter circle after 250 miles. So let's look at the, the standings over here in the Xfinity uh, Series. Uh, J- uh, Chase Briscoe, Noah Grigson, Harrison Burton, Justin Gallagher. Gal- there we go. I'll get it out. Um, Ross Chastain, uh, Austin Cindric, uh, Justin Haley, uh, Brandon Jones, uh, Dan- Daniel Hemrick, and Ryan Sieg all round out the top ten in your standings with the Xfinity Series. Good to see Justin Haley in the top ten. He's another local boy. He's from Winnemac, Indiana. So good to see him doing well. 
But uh, the performances of Chase Briscoe, I think that says that what the performances he had in the iRacing Challenge obviously show that he is a star of the future. Now, granted, uh, I don't remember which uh, development pool he is with right now, but uh, obviously a lot of generations in that family. I think he's like a third-generation driver. His father, Kevin, was a very successful driver in USAC, Mountain Wing Sprint, and Midget Cars. And grandfather also successful, so... There's a lot of tags uh, to Chase Bristow that you like to see. I think the pedigree's there, the talent's there. Uh, the only question is, will the good ride come out that uh, allows him to be successful uh, if and when he does move up into the Cup Series? And I don't think that we have a Cup Series race this weekend. Am I correct on that? Uh, we do on Sunday. Denny Hamlin drew the pole for it. At Homestead. Okay. All right. I I, I had that um, mixed up with some other dates there. They got, they're just throwing too many dates at us, Matthew. Changing of schedules and everything. Just make everything normal again. Uh, as we look at the NASCAR uh, standings, we look at Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick is just really coming out there and lighting it up. And has been able to do very well. And it's no surprise with Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick has always uh, been one of, one of the top drivers to look at and to watch. And we look at this being the farewell tour of Jimmy Johnson. He's kind of gotten cheated out of that, uh, if you will, as far as being able to say goodbye to the fans. This is his last year in uh, NASCAR. And we expect for him to maybe possibly uh, next year to make an appearance in uh, IndyCar, there certainly is that talk and conversation, and certainly we had in the um, in the uh, iRacing challenges. Uh, Jimmy Johnson was in a few of those races as well. Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex uh, Jr., Brad Koloski, Ryan Blaney, Alex Bowman, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, and Kurt Busch. Uh, the Busch brothers round out the top ten. Can I say one thing, though, about Kevin Harvick? I mean, it's interesting. I his wife, Delana Harvick, is one of the most active people on Twitter that I know of in the NASCAR community, and she's been real subdued this year. I don't know if it's due to the COVID or what's going on. I mean, her husband's leading the championship and all, and we barely hear from her, uh, at least from the times I've been on Twitter. I haven't seen many tweets from her at all. I don't know if she's, you know, pulled back from Twitter or there's so much going on with the COVID that she has other things she's got to focus on, but uh, you would think that with her husband at the top of the stands that she'd be a little more active and a little more excited. And she's been pretty subdued over the last uh, few weeks. You know, I heard somebody else mention that too. It's probably a combination of everything and all of the above. I know they got a couple of youngins too. And, you know, this quarantine COVID stuff has gotten everybody yeah. kind of uh, on edge. And of course she, she can't go to the track with him so that she's missing out on a lot. So we'll, we'll see how, how that uh, that plays out, but yeah, I, I heard somebody else mention that today. Let's just tweet her out there, uh, uh, Matthew, and just say, "Hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. Give us an update. What's going on?" <laughs> Me too. I do that. All I get is a like. I don't get any answer back. <laughs> I tried that with CBG announcers that did a great job a couple of weeks ago covering one of the big events uh, leading up to the Kentucky Derby, and all I got was a like, nothing else. Well, Matthew, uh, we'll we'll retweet your stuff as much as, as we can. But we're going to have to wrap it up and put a bowl on it. Uh, where can people find your work and masterpieces? Any final words of wisdom for us, sir? 
M-A-T-T-E-M-B-U-R-Y. Um, as far as the big events, like I said, July 8th, uh, MLS tournament at Disney's Wide World of Sports in Orlando. And uh, be very curious to see. Uh, there should be some major announcements involving uh, some major esports, uh, Classic Texas World Championships. Uh, are they going to do a virtual tournament this year because Portland Retro Game was canceled? Uh, that's another thing that's up in the air because their monthly tournaments for their main players is today. So I'll be very curious to see if uh, the guys, uh, Harrison, Trey Harrison, and them make an announcement as to what the plans are. Are they going to move it back? Are they going to try to run it live? Are they going to do virtual? Uh, it'll be very curious to see because this year, especially in the Tetris uh, realm, uh, we've been seeing some unheard of scores. We've been seeing guys uh, go to as high as level 35, which the producers did not plan for when they made this game back in 1989. I mean, it says something like 0A or something like that when you get to that level. So it's very interesting, and I think there's going to be a lot of things to focus on. If you have a Twitch account, twitch.tv, uh, tune into the Classic Texas Channel because there may be an announcement on what the plans are for the World Championships coming up later this year. Absolutely, we'll be on top of that. Matthew, uh, we appreciate uh, uh, you, you jumping on with us, and then we hope you have yourself a good weekend. We'll talk with you again soon, sir. Anytime, Tom. Stay safe. All right, you too. Matthew Embry, WSBT up in South Bend, our official uh, IndyCar contributor. You're also filling in uh, for Steve with NASCAR. Uh, Steve's kind of under the weather. Uh, so uh, we will, uh, I promise you, we'll get back to our normal two-hour uh, time frame hopefully sooner than later as these sports begin to emerge and come back out. And we're going to be monitoring. Thanks to Mo from the BS Sports Show uh, for joining us. My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. Remember to download the podcast on your and listen to on your favorite uh, podcast format, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, what have you. And uh, we will always be on Twitter at T-Balance or on Facebook, The Balance. My name is Tom Marcos. Don't drink and drive. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.